Trump's phantom imagined or real 10% tax cut from the middle class? It's still, uh, you know, taking shape, which he may have just made up off the cuff without having consulted anyone about. He's thinking out loud. <laughs> thinking out loud in front of, get, around, get around to it. In front of an arena full of people cheering your uh, announcement. Plus, I love this. Again to the WAPO. Mega Millions winner in South Carolina, the largest jackpot in U.S. history. That's one headline. You've won the Mega Millions jackpot. Time to hide. The next headline is, you didn't win the Mega Millions? Good. The next headline, he won Powerball's $314 million jackpot. It ruined his life. Yeah. We're a strange people. Yeah, I think you should have to come forward. I think that should be part of the deal with winning the lottery. Because you want their life ruined for your entertainment? Well, that, it's, uh, Does that overstate it? Uh, as no. a lesson to others? No, no, it's just, it's, you know, as we follow it as a story. That's the payoff. Part of the payoff is we get to see who won and, and see them on TV and hear about what they're going to spend the money on. Since everybody's been talking about it for the last week, it's weird to just have some anonymous person winning. You never hear about it again. Yeah. As a, as a, as a TV show. Yeah. And it's not I don't some like that. government I find this program. show troubling. I don't well, want to watch well, this show. It's troubling all the way around. Yeah, the sooner it's over, the better. <laughs> um, boy, Trump uh, surprised a lot of people yesterday by uh, tweeting out a little speech about immigration. Yeah, well, I would like to to announce in advance of this speech, I, Joe Getty, will pledge for the rest of my days as an American citizen to follow Barack Obama's lead on illegal immigration. Word Obama. for word. Policy by policy, I, Joe Getty, declare my allegiance to Barack Obama on this topic. So let's hear a little bit of Barack Obama as then-senator in 2005. We are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law, uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law. Uh, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. Almost everybody in America agrees with that. That is not a controversial statement. It's only controversial in the media or among politicians who are trying to pretend it's a wedge issue. And among those who've only heard the unicornian point of view for so many years, they've forgotten what is clearly common sense. You want to pay five dollars? But they can be argued back. You want to pay five dollars for a tomato? There's, there's, Fine. There's that argument, right? Who's going to pick the tomatoes? You remember the Armstrong and Getty answer: somebody or nobody or a machine. We're a nation of immigrants, Joe. There's that angle. Um, Great argument. One, I'm, de- I'm devastated by it. One thing that Barack Obama threw in there that makes it difficult is he uh, mentioned the employer shouldn't be able to get away with it either. So then, okay, now you've brought in both parties. Here's the reason the Democrats don't want to allow it to happen. Here's the reason the Wall Street Journal crowd doesn't want it to happen. So now you're doomed. Neither party wants it to happen. Right. Here's more from Barack Obama. American employers also need to take responsibility. Uh, too often, illegal immigrants are lured here on the promise of a job only to receive unconscionable, unconscionably low wages. Uh, in the interest of cheap labor, unscrupulous employers look the other way when employees present fraudulent U.S. citizenship documentation. Uh, these acts hurt both American workers and immigrants whose sole aim is to work hard and get ahead. And that's why we need a simple, foolproof, and mandatory mechanism for all employers to check the legal status of new hires. 
uh, let me repeat, we need strong border security at the borders, but we also need a virtual border that is created by employers having to check to see if these people genuinely are legally in this country. A policy supported wholeheartedly by Cesar Chavez back in his day. And we could implement that today. Yep. We could do that today. And end illegal. It, it, it's driven me crazy the entire my entire talk radio career when people act like this. It's a complicated issue. No, Barack. What Barack Obama just said. That's what you do. You you make it so the employers can't hire illegals, which is basically just enforcing the laws we already have, and you secure the borders. We're done. We're done now. Right. As we've said for years. In short, re- remove the magnets, and illegal immigration will stop. If there are no welfare state benefits, free education, free medicine, etc., and an under the table job is sanctioned by both parties, people won't come. Well, and he brought up an angle that would. We've talked about so many times. How are liberals for illegal immigration? As Barack Obama pointed out, come here, they get paid less, they get treated poorly, they don't have any of the rights that a regular American citizen worker has. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things the corporations like about it. You get to abuse your employees. Right, right. Shouldn't liberals be against that? And you know what's funny is, having studied this sort of thing for years and years and years since I was in college, the argument that, you know, net uh, illegal immigrants raise the economy. I've heard that so many times, and the funny part is you get that sometimes from the right and sometimes from the left on uh, various topics, like uh, free trade, for instance. You hear that uh, free trade, on average, lifts the economy and lifts all people on average. The problem is the benefits of these things aren't divvied up and handed out on average. They flow to the super powerful. If we decimate the American manufacturing class, but it... The total amount of money coming into the country is increased. Well, that's because it's going to come to the money changers and the people who import and export. It's not going to come to the working guy in in Pennsylvania or Ohio or whatever. And the average uh, growth of the economy that helps all people through illegal immigration, that is sure as hell not flowing to the working class, to poor Americans, to poor black Americans in particular. And, and Hispanic, it doesn't matter what color you are. I love you if you're an American. They're getting screwed. The better on average for the economy is going to the big employers, the sure. meat packing plants, big ag. So, God, that, you that argument is phony. Yeah, and you mentioned the meat packing plant because I uh, there was a, a small town n- near me when I was uh, young in the Midwest that got transformed practically overnight by a meat packing plant coming to that town, and they started bringing in, uh, you know, they had to bring in well cheap labor. Um, transforming the city or the town. It's a small town in the middle of nowhere overnight and a town that had zero crime. Now all of a sudden had crime and you had a language barrier and you had all these things. There's nobody in that town that thought that was a good thing. How many workers do you suppose? Nobody. I'd be thousands in a town of, you know, 20 some thousand, thousands of workers. Mm -hmm. People want to be. And change the town overnight. There's nobody in that town that thought that was a good idea. Nobody. It's the elites of both parties that allow this to happen. They don't care if your school, your hospital, your town gets changed in a way you don't like overnight. They don't care about that. As Tucker Carlson always points out, and I think this is such a great argument, the elites in both parties, Democrats and Republicans, their neighborhoods haven't changed in 50 years. Their neighborhoods are exactly the same as they always have been. The only people speaking a different language than English are the people that come and mow the lawn. Nothing happened in their schools, so they they don't feel it. 
So maybe they don't even know it's happening, or they certainly don't care. Right. You know, it's funny, uh, quoting Tucker Carlson, I happened to hear him the other day talking to Adam Carolla, and he made the point that because the D.C. metro area, which uh, I must remind you as always, has like seven of the ten richest zip codes in America, in a city that manufactures nothing but government policy, that they think the economy's fine. That America is fine, that you are doing great, because where they live, where they hang out, where they spend all their time, is fine, because their entire economy is built on the government budget. What does the government budget do every single year? It goes up, 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 whether they have to borrow it or not. So, yeah, they're, the, those in the halls of power think everything's great. Well, yeah, and it and it 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 drives me crazy that the the crowd that uh, that makes the argument that this is okay either either the Wall Street Journal crowd is, who's going to say it's good for you know the the economy overall, or the um, Nancy Pelosi crowd that's going to say you know assimilation and diversity and everything like and that. And all of our immigrants deserve the right to vote. You're talking about assimilation for my neighborhood, not for your neighborhood. You're putting that all on us right. because that ain't happening where you live. At all, right? I think we've we've probably made our point with the uh, young Muslim socialist, the skinny guy from uh, Illinois, didn't we? I don't know. Obama. I want to hear that last clip. Okay. Yeah, let's play that last one. Securing the borders alone does not solve immigration management. We're going to have to better manage legal immigration in order to end illegal immigration. Uh, Senators McCain and Kennedy point us in the right direction on that point. Right now, we've got millions of illegal immigrants who live and work here without knowing their identity or background. Uh, That's part of the reason that we need a guest worker program to replace the flood of illegals with a regulated stream of legals who enter the United States after checks and with access to labor rights. Part of the reason that illegal immigration uh, is so damaging is that it ends up uh, creating a pool of workers with depressed wages and no rights. And that's not something that we find acceptable. Boy, the social justice warriors of the world would be shrieking racist at that man, whoever that man was, whoever that wise and moderate and sober and intelligent young man was. He must be a clansman or something. I still think that this the, the immigration issue in my lifetime is, is, is evidence number one that maybe democracies don't work. Because practically everybody is in agreement with what Barack Obama just said, and mm-hmm. you can't get it to happen. No. You just can't. We the people can go up against the elites, but we will lose if both parties are, are in bed with them. So coming up, we got a couple other things. We got, I got a funny text about the uh, World Series last night that I want to hit. I like the, I like when people really really hate another team. I find when when I have no rooting interest whatsoever, it's amusing to see how much hatred you know a Red Sox fan can have for a Dodger fan or vice versa. It seems so crazy when you're on the outside of it. Plus, a couple of brothers who wanted to start a Christmas tree farm on their land, their town might fine them four hundred fifty thousand dollars because they didn't do it right. And it's worth staying tuned for the hilarious legal description of what a Christmas tree is. Awesome. awesome. Everything's got to be a law in this country. Everything's all that's coming up on the Armstrong and Getty show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty show. A friend of mine just texted, he's sponsoring a walker in the caravan. 
<laughs> yeah, boy. Plus, breaking news. Yes. There is a, a, a suspicious packages or explosives. I got a suspicious package for you. Oh, Lord. Put that away. Um, <clears throat> Delivered to the Clinton's house in upstate New York, and then CNN has had to move its broadcast to D.C. because its Time Warner building in New York City has been evacuated. I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, it, just stop it. You know, if you're your center or you're right and you've seen Antifa operating with impunity and you're fired up and you're thinking, okay, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, stop it. If you saw Donald Trump encouraging people to beat down protesters at his events and thought, wow, that's not cool. Yeah, you get to do, we get to, just everybody cut it out. Quit with the bombs and the fights and the smashing stuff. Just stop it. So the caravan is on its way. As Van Morrison would say, and uh, they think they they think they know how it started. Now there's this guy down in Honduras that uh, he's a politician down there, and he got the word out somehow. He's denying it now, but he's patient zero on this whole thing. He got the word out that hey, we'll supply supply transportation and water and food and everything like that for this whole walk. If you want to walk to America and and get in and get jobs and all that sort of stuff, and then it started being broadcast on the TV news at night. Here's where you should meet, and you'll all take off on Tuesday or, you know, whatever. It's a flash mob. Those are fun. And um, so that's how it started. Who wants to walk 2,000 miles? Anybody? Carrying a baby. Let's go to El Norte. They got food for us and jobs and housing. So we'll be following that story. And education and medical care. Jeez, we might be following that story for the next month. Well, and there's another one, a starting, they say. There's a second caravan because they've seen the first one. They think, well, those Americanos are so dumb, they'll you know let anybody in, feed and clothe and house. We are dumb. We are dumb. Yes. I know I am. Um, Speaking for myself. Trump's tax cut. Explain that in a few seconds. We got uh, this text. Marshall mentioned in his news. Sean mentioned that uh, someone stole a base, so Taco Bell gives everybody a taco based on the World Series last night. Yes. And we played the uh, we played a clip from the game. We got this text. I will not eat an effing Red Sox taco. <laughs> Thank you for not playing Joe Buck's home run call. I can deal with the Red Sox station cheering, but I can't stand Joe Buck's climaxing with every Red Sox foul tip and silence when the Dodgers hit one up. <laughs> wow. 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 I know many sports fans don't believe this, but Joe Buck does not care who your favorite team is. <laughs> He does not hate teams. It is funny how if you're really into a team, you become convinced that the announcers are rooting against your team. Well, right. Because their enthusiasm for your team is perfectly appropriate. And their enthusiasm for the other team is utterly unthink. It's offensive. (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, it's funny how human beings are. If the announcer sounds excited when the other team hits a home run, clearly they're in favor of that team winning. Right. (laughs) They should have Joe a glum in his Red Sox tacos. It's <laughs> climaxing with every Red Sox foul tip. <laughs> that's a funny line, though. Well played, my friend. Well that's played. good. So the other night, Trump's in Texas up in front of thousands and thousands of people, and he says, in the next week, you got a 10% tax cut coming for the middle class. Huh? And everybody cheered like crazy. What? Yay! And uh, myself, because I was watching at the time, and, and a lot of people in the biz, in the news biz, said, hmm. I hadn't heard about that. Well, yeah, and I actually had this flash of feeling bad because it's kind of my job to know what's going on. And I thought, wow, I don't know anything about that to talk about it tomorrow morning. But uh, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> and there's a lot of reporting and, um, you know, the New York Times, Washington Post uh, hating on Trump crowd. It's 
I have to take everything with a grain of salt because they, they hate everything he says, but they couldn't come up with anybody who knew what the president was talking about. And even the Washington Examiner, which is much more favorable toward Trump, um, hasn't talked to any Republicans that uh, had a heads up on that or say that they're you know working on that behind the scenes or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it certainly can't happen before the election because Congress isn't even in session and and uh, it, there's no indication that there were any talks before they went on vacation. So here, this is from the Washington Examiner this morning. The latest sign Trump's middle class tax cut commitment was off the cuff came Tuesday morning as the administration's own top economist turned down a chance to talk about it. Quote, so right now, the person who's discussing the 10% tax cut for the White House is the president. So you should go to the press office and to the president if you want more information on that, said the Council of Economic Advisors Chairman Kevin Hassett during a press call on Tuesday morning. That's not even a no comment. That's a go ask him. Yeah. 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 So they're having a press call. Obviously, the next morning, the whole 10% tax cut for the middle class came up with the uh, the his economic advisor. And he said, I asked the president. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> well, what are you going to do? It's listen. If you hate Trump, I get that you think that's absurd and and troubling on one level. But I would point this out to you. These are just these are different times. This is certainly a different guy, and the way he approaches the job is just crazy compared to you know virtually every other president we've had. Uh, you know, certainly from the twentieth century on. At the same time. At the same time, and this gets back to my quit bombing stuff, quit punching people, quit hounding them out of restaurants, you know, screeching at them in in elevators, quit smashing stuff. You know what's going to happen now with this 10% tax cut is they'll work on it and then it will go before Congress and people will talk about it for a long time and it will either pass or it will not. And everybody will be fine. The negative effects of this will be None. There will be none. If you're actually, you're not putting it on because you, all your friends act like this. If you're actually like terrified and freaked out that the president unleashed a non-existent tax cut, a lot of people are calling it a lie, a campaign lie. I, I, I just think it was brownies that, that were nowhere near baked that he took out of the oven and said, here, have one, and it's still mostly liquid. It, it took, well, but nobody else I, even knows about the shopping list. <laughs> I... I Again, I uh, referenced George Stephanopoulos's book about when he was running the Clinton campaign. They they said all kinds of stuff on the campaign trail about we're going to do this kind of tax cut and this kind of health care and this and, and they had no plan for making that happen until after they won and they thought, okay, how are we going to do any of this? Right. That's just that's just the way a game works. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But um. What time is it? I don't even know what time it is. Oh, what's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got suspicious packages, possibly bombs sent to former President Obama and Hillary Clinton and CNN, and 263 San Francisco Bay Area priests accused of alleged sexual abuse. Yikes. We'll get into that heavy. Joe Buck's climaxing with every Red Sox foul tip. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. I've got to tell you about riding the uh, scooters around the gas lamp district of San Diego all afternoon yesterday. Oh, you were a scooter man. I was scooter man, yes. I got on a Lime. There's uh, several brands of scooters in many of the cities we broadcast in, but I was in uh, downtown San Diego. And the, the Lime is one of your brands, but uh, for some reason I couldn't get the app or the scooter to work. 
So I went over to The Bird, which is a different brand of scooter, oh, and got oh, that one yeah. fired up. But Man, once you get the app going and everything like that, and you just walk up to a scooter, scan it quick with your app, and off you go. And it charges your credit card. It's only like a buck or something like that for pretty much as far as you can scoot, right? It's uh, it, it adds up. I mean, it ended up being more expensive than if I had Ubered around, I think. Huh. <laughs> but it's certainly more fun. It's and st- faster. I meet, I have my I have it right there immediately. And it's still a relatively inexpensive way to get a serious oh, sure. injury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. They're they're insanely dangerous. Uh, insanely dangerous. God I can't bless what's left of our liberty. <laughs> Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. We have got a full-scale criminal investigation underway right now after suspicious packages were sent to former President Obama and Hillary Clinton. Now, Obama lives in D.C., Clinton's in New York. A statement from the Secret Service says both packages were identified as potential explosive devices. Then along with all this, the CNN studios in New York have been evacuated after a suspicious package showed up there. They're broadcasting now from their D.C. headquarters. Turns out that former presidents and first ladies do not handle mail before it is inspected by the Secret Service, so it was agents that actually picked up on this and discovered that these were potential explosive devices. That's uh, that's crazy. We're well, you know, we we told you it was it was heading in this direction. We're heading back to late sixties uh, violence. And yeah, well, there's a, a number of possibilities. They could these could turn out to be practically nothing. Um, it could have come from people who heard Trump badmouth CNN and thought, I need to blow them up. Or it could have come from somebody on the other side yep. who wants to make right-wingers look crazy right. by sending a package to CNN. So. Absolutely possible. Yeah. The investigation is obviously continuing. Uh, the uh, This all follows the pipe bomb that was sent to the billionaire George Soros in New York. And Soros is a longtime Democratic activist as well. The White House quickly denouncing these kind of moves, saying these kind of terrorist act, uh, acts are not appreciated, not wanted. They are bad. The White House coming out very quickly to denounce those attacks. Meanwhile, we've got an update. 263 San Francisco Bay Area priests alleged to be sex abusers. Mercury News reporting the Catholic or California Catholic Conference is being sued on claims it deliberately hid Credible sex abuse accusations against more than 200 priests. An attorney and a former priest said the cases all involved those in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and the Diocese of Oakland and San Jose. Now, this report was put together by the L.A. law firm Jeff Anderson Associates, and it names individuals connected to those three archdioceses and dioceses. Awesome. We're going to have one of the reporters from the Mercury News on at about uh, 819, but this is a hell of a story. Oh, yeah. And any any diocese you look at across the country, around the world, you find this same thing. What the hell is going on? And this will come out if anybody in the media pays attention to it. The fact that Kamala Harris's uh, district attorney office had a lot of this information years and years ago and refused to release it, even why? though they could have. Why? I do. I have no idea why they'd make that decision. But they repeatedly claimed to the press 
Was it the Chronicle or the Merck? One of the, the papers or both right. of them was saying, listen, you got to release this. This freedom of information stuff. You can release this to us. And Kamala Harris's office said, no, we can't. But, but they were wrong. But her crowd and a lot of her supporters aren't, you know, super up with the, you know, everything's great with the Catholic Church. And organized religion. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm mystified by that decision. Unless the powerful uh, convinced her. As that caravan of migrants from Central America continues to grow and advance toward the U.S. southern border, and we get reports there's another caravan forming at this time to come to the U.S., President Trump talking about immigration this morning. Trump taking to Twitter saying, For those who want and advocate for illegal immigration, just take a good look at what's happened to Europe over the last five years. A total mess. They only wish they had that decision to make over again. Trump continuing with, we are a great sovereign nation. We have strong borders. We will never accept people coming into our country illegally. As to Trump blaming Democrats for organizing the caravan somehow, and I'm not exactly sure how that story works, a former Obama speechwriter tweeted, I love the idea that Dems are organizing voters in Honduras when we couldn't even organize voters in Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) My friends, it turns out when you have a job interview, you really shouldn't sit there and emphasize your successes but emphasize the hard work it took to achieve them. Cass oh, Business School carried out a study. distinction. Yep. And they found the people who talked about their struggles were more likable, were more desirable to an employer. They say a success story is not complete without the hard work and an explanation of why we were successful. In a job interview, you talk about a successful project that you led to completion, including details about the challenges along the way and how you overcame them. They said this is a really good way to approach a job interview. Boy, that's interesting. It's it's a, it's a similar attempt, but it comes off in a completely different way. It leaves a different taste in the person's yes. mouth. I was able to reorganize the Schwidwich division and uh, grew the sales force by 40%. And yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, after a while, it's like, all right, dude, I don't know if you did or you didn't. <laughs> right. yeah, so it, right. it's funny. It's, it sounds kind of self-evident and obvious, but it, it's it's not. It's the other side of the coin. I like that. That's You know, for once, Marshall, one of these stories is useful. Thank you. Not crap. I mean, yeah. <laughs> should, you, should you wash your hands to avoid fecal matter after an interview? Not crap. I'll take that. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of a nation. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we mean that uh, flippantly, conscious yes. of the nation. I don't. Joe takes you completely seriously. Uh, that's what. That's my mission statement. I have um, it on my wall. So we're going to get the latest on the whole Khashoggi thing coming up in just a little bit. I, I'm really confused now that the, that the White House has said, yeah, it's a cover-up and it probably goes to the top. Where Jared Kushner's been working MBS for since before Trump took office, right? To try to establish the ties in the battle against Iran, I, I don't, I really don't know what's going on here. Well, and in terms of diplomat speak, what the president said yesterday and today is just astonishing. It's the sort of thing you say like before you sever all relations with the country, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, we'll get the latest on that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
They had a very bad original concept. It was carried out poorly, and the cover-up was one of the worst in the history of cover-ups. It's very simple. I, wow. I, I don't know what our uh, what our national strategy is on this. I don't think I don't know if anybody does. Um, we've been friends with Saudi Arabia for ever. Uh, Aware of their sins, pressuring them to clean up their act. We have overlooked their sins forever because Mm -hmm. it was in our best interest, we agreed, through Democrats and Republicans. And uh, now they've uh, they've done this, which is obviously awful. Um, But so I don't know what what are we doing? We kicking them to the curb or what are we doing? Aaron Blake is a senior political writer writing for The Fix in The Washington Post and joins us now. Aaron, how are you? Uh, Very good. It's good to be with you guys. Thank you. So let's begin with the president's statement, which was extraordinary in terms of diplomat speak. I mean, it was a blast. Yeah, I think we've seen an emerging sense from him and the White House that he needs to at least say some things that are a little bit tougher uh, as far as saying, you know, the worst cover up ever, uh, saying that there's been lies and deception, which was the, the line this weekend. Uh, none of it, of course, is is aimed at particular people, which I think is a key distinction here. If you're talking about the worst cover-up ever, that could be basically what those 15 people, allegedly 15 people who were in the consulate, uh, did to cover up what they had done to Jamal Khashoggi. The lies and deception, again, it's not clear who he's talking about with that. Um, so the real question here is, does this get blamed upon the Saudi government and the royal family? And we just don't really have any real answer to that question right now. And I think that's a fine line that the White House is walking at this point. Yeah, I don't even know what the you know Republican or Democrat or conservative or liberal position even is on this anymore. I mean, you got Lindsey Graham saying, you know, we shouldn't do business with MSB anymore. And um, uh, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where we're headed. Do you have any idea? <laughs> There's There have been a very... Uh, select few senators who have been vocal on this, generally the ones who we hear about when it comes to foreign policy, people who are are serving on the Foreign Relations Committee, for instance, Graham being one of them, Bob Porker uh, from Tennessee has also been somewhat vocal on this. Uh, I think that there is a real and understandable sense of caution here by a lot of American politicians, Uh, caution that I would say is called for. Uh, We have been presented with some allegedly compelling evidence from the Turkish government, but a lot of it leaked into the Turkish media. Uh, The Turkish government certainly has an agenda here. uh, Sure. Saudi Arabia as a a regional rival. And so, you know, we we don't have anything firm to latch onto at this point and, and making a hard and fast decision about severing relations or scaling back an arms deal or sanctioning Saudi Arabia in the absence of that, it is a very difficult thing to do. So I think it's wait and see for a whole lot of people who are involved in this. Right. Your colleagues, uh, Karen DeYoung and Saud McHennett, uh, writing this morning a story about uh, the Arab states are fearing instability, regional instability, because of this thing. And with all due respect to the the horror and the, the personal pain that some of y'all at the Washington Post are feeling about Mr. Khashoggi's disappearance and, and murder, um <sighs> To send the region into turmoil over it, given the Saudis' history, just seems uh, odd to us. 
Yeah, I, I sympathize with that. Uh, there are uh, obviously competing interests here. Uh, we made a obviously a very significant decision after 9-11 in which many of the hijackers came from Saudi Arabia to kind of not necessarily hold them directly accountable for that. Um, there are always competing interests that need to be factored into this. And I don't think that the um, kind of the critical coverage of how the Trump administration has handled this is necessarily because, you know, newspapers like mine are, are saying you guys need to do sanctions right now. Uh, I think the, the critical coverage is in large part because um, the president has, has, at least before this weekend and before the comments from yesterday, really signaled a reluctance to do that under any circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seemed to be kind of talking, talking his way out of eventually doing that, no matter what the findings of the investigation were. And, and uh, you know, certainly there is a clear American interest in holding another country accountable for something like this. Uh, and that's something that that needs to be factored into this, which is, I think, where the, the disconnect is with the administration right now. Do you see any strange bedfellows behind the scenes politically on this uh, on this story? You know, I think the, the most interesting tension here is between, um, you know, the the president and Lindsey Graham, who has searched for ways to support the president for the better part of the last year, often you know strained very hard to do so, especially when it came to Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination. Um, I think that there, on on things like this, the president can be convinced. Uh, he has been convinced to be tough on Russia in many ways by people in his administration. Uh, in this case, when he's got people like Lindsey Graham, when he's got um, people who are, are, you know, very hawkish on foreign policy in the Senate Republican conference, leaning on him to not just let this get swept away. I think that can be somewhat compelling to him. And so um, to the extent that that relationship continues to evolve as the investigation proceeds, uh, that's going to be a, a major subplot of what actually gets done uh, on a concrete basis. Aaron Blake of the Washington Post is on the line. Aaron, uh, based on your reporting, your sources, the, your colleagues uh, reporting, is uh, the Crown Prince MSB at all shaky in his hold on power at this point? Uh, you know, I, I have less of a Middle East scholar than I'd like to be in answering that question. Uh, certainly, I would say the fact that he, you know, ran, you know, kind of came to international prominence pledging to be a reformer in certain ways. Um, And then the rollback that has taken place on that um, suggests that he does not feel too comfortable with the idea that people would be allowed to have political expression, um, that the the country would truly reform itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that you take an action like this unless there is at least some fear about ideas being promoted by Jamal Khashoggi are, are, you know, taking hold. Um, but, you know, of course, the question is whether the crown prince was actually involved or whether this was a rogue action. But even that's kind of beside the point. There was clearly an effort to uh, detain him, to bring him back to Saudi Arabia at the least. And that would be a significant action in and of itself. And so, um, you know, that doesn't necessarily speak to somebody who's terribly confident about where his country is and where his leadership is. Aaron Blake, Washington Post. Aaron, hey, terrific job. Really good to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. It's our pleasure. That whole coming to power as a reformer thing, we have no idea to what extent he was ever 
uh, serious about that. The the as we talked about the other day, the UAE and MSG spent millions of dollars in in creating that right. image of him. You know, it's funny you to sell him to the rest of the world. You and I are thinking exactly the same thing. As uh, as Aaron was talking, I was running through my my memory reel of uh, the dictators of the last hundred years, and they all say. I'm a reformer. I'm going to give you rights. Uh, you know, it's just, it's the dodge. It's the way you get over. And it works. Oh, yeah. And it, it works. Everybody works. Can, look, he's letting women drive. Isn't this fantastic? He's a new fresh face on the scene. Well, if you're desperate for that, you know, if you care about human rights, you think, wow, great. And that's how they get you. Yeah. So I wish. I, but Lindsey Graham has got to have a lot of info on the guy. And for him to say we could, we shouldn't do business with this guy anymore, what what does he think is going to happen? Is Lindsey still so hot for democracy in the Middle East? He thinks he can spread it like I don't know Christianity or fast food. You would have has he to, not gotten enough kicks in the face from Iraq and Afghanistan? You would have to have a literal Game of Thrones, people getting their throats slit in the night, sort of succession battle. To replace the guy. Yeah, maybe for 15 years. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So coming up, a couple of uh, of, of notes from, well, technology and similar things. Apple's Tim Cook unleashing a bitter screed about Silicon Valley. Amazing. Plus two brothers who wanted to start a Christmas tree farm on their own land might get fined half a million dollars. And are these uh, scooters that are laying around a lot of cities that we broadcast in, are they the future of transportation in urban areas? I spent a lot of time on one yesterday. I want to talk about it. Are they the future of emergency rooms? (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show.